What is up, my dudes? Welcome to Olympia Oddities. I'm Trista. And I'm a little hot and a little damp, but I'm Steven. Yeah, it's been super hot out there, guys. Like, make sure that you're staying safe, staying cool. Drink water. Stay in the shade. Drink water. Yeah, you're drinking your water. I'm drinking a Dr. Pepper, but it is zero sugar. Health queen. <laughs> the glamour. Yeah. Um, today we're going to be telling you about a case that gained a lot of infamy in Portland in the 1980s, and unfortunately, the tragedies just kept coming throughout the years in this family. We'll be telling you about Michelle D. Gates, a woman who murdered two children while she was just a kid herself, her later failed hitman plot that she tried to execute, and the murder of her husband in 2019, which was caused by her father. Yeah, I know that there's a lot in there. This is seriously like four to five true crime stories kind of all in one episode that's so much yeah it's it's a lot but we're gonna break it down and we're gonna go through it and we're gonna try to period of time understand how this happened and this doesn't make me comfy no it's gonna be a rough one it's gonna make you want to throw things it's gonna make you want to lay not lay down but sit down in like a cold shower you can lay down in there if you want to i don't know the water might get in your face waterboard you you a little bit don't do that um, it's gonna make you want to just like, just like, like call a friend, but like don't say anything. <laughs> just sit there on the phone. Like you'll That's understand creepy. when we get to the end of it. It is a little creepy, but all right. If I understand gonna, you're, when you're I get to the end, processing. Of it. you're gonna be processing, and you're gonna be wondering how the fuck <laughs> did <laughs> any of this fuck? shit happen? Um, sorry to be blunt. So before we get into this episode, we're gonna cover some of the trigger warnings, and this episode does have quite a few. There's a mention of child abuse, child murder, and a brief mention of sexual assault. If that's not something that you're up to hearing right now, no worries, and we'll catch you again next episode. Michelle D. Gates was born into a chaotic upbringing. Her mom had gotten pregnant as a teenager and was in a very unstable relationship. This meant that from a young age, Michelle's primary caregiver was her grandma. Horrifically, when Michelle was just 11 years old, her grandma's husband murdered her mother. He had caught her with a man late at night and assumed that she must have taken up sex work. He murdered her by shooting her in the face. Brutal. And right out the gate. I know. Like this story, it just, it starts at a hundred. Tragic. Yeah. It just goes zero to 100. And I really couldn't find much about this specific murder. I couldn't find out. It said her grandma's husband in one of my sources. So I wasn't sure if that was like actual grandpa you know, by like, or like a remarry, yeah, like a... and also just going from like catching her mom with a man late at night and then just making that jump immediately to mm-hmm. she was doing sex work. Like, I have so many questions about this story, it's just weird. That is, it, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 you, of course, you're not going to know the whole story there now. So, yeah, there's just, there's just so much there. They could just, it, it, it's, it's insane. I can't even. And it's it. This doesn't get any happier from here. Oh boy! All right, well, buckle up. On January fourth, nineteen eighty, Michelle was thirteen years old. She still lived with her grandma and step grandpa. I guess the murderer. I'm guessing. I couldn't really find clarification on that, so that's not good. Um, but she was known as a happy, friendly girl. She also had a huge passion for swimming. It had been raining heavily that day, and the empty, above-ground pool in her family's backyard had begun to fill with water. It quickly gathered around 10 inches of water. 
It was later that same day that the body of Michelle's neighbor, four-year-old Ruth Ann O'Neill, was discovered in a pile of rubbish in a neighbor's yard. Ruth O'Neill was barefoot and wearing blue corduroy pants with a blue sweater. Originally, it was thought that Ruth had walked away from her home that day and accidentally drowned in the rainwater that had gathered in the pool. Using the word rubbish now, huh? That, you know, and when I was writing this, I debated using (laughs) the word garbage. (laughs) But my source used the word rubbish, and I was like, well, is there a difference between rubbish and trash? Yeah, you have rubbish and then you get trash. So I wasn't sure, so I just stuck with the source material. Yeah, you know, okay, I'm not going to argue rubbish. that. I'm not going to argue that. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's, you know. But I feel so bad for that neighbor to make that discovery. Like, no, oh, Jesus, that's God. So intense. Michelle had been Ruth's babysitter a few times previously and was brought in for questioning by investigators. They immediately noticed inconsistencies in her story and grew suspicious of her involvement. Michelle had thrown out several different theories about what she thought could have happened to Ruth to the investigators. First, she told them that maybe Ruth's mom had given her drugs. She then suggested that Ruth may might have been raped and suffocated. So she's just like throwing out all these like kind of like out there theories when they're talking to her. And they're just getting this vibe of like something is not like, right. you know, something yeah. more than what you're giving up. And just getting this vibe from her where they're like, something's like wrong with this chick. Then her story changed again, and this time she said that she had taken Ruth into the pool to wade in the water, but she had gone back inside, and when she came out, Ruth was dead. Finally, Michelle cracked under the pressure and admitted to what she had done. She had taken Ruth into the pool to wade, but this time admitted that she hadn't gone back inside and and came out to find Ruth dead. She had killed the girl herself. Michelle told investigators that she had held her face down in the water until she stopped moving, then lifted Ruth's body out of the pool, over the fence, and into the neighbor's yard. What in the world? I know, it's so horrific. A 13-year-old girl. I just... That's just so insane. That poor little girl, you know what I mean? Like, her her previous babysitter. Someone that she, like, trusted that much. Or that you're supposed to trust. I know, God, that just breaks my heart. But when you're a little, you know, like, four-year-old, you just kind of innately trust... Yeah. The adults like, you, around you and yeah. that just makes me so sad and horrifically this wasn't the only murder by drowning that michelle admitted to that day she admitted that in november of 1978 she had pushed her three-year-old cousin natya otino into a duck pond at what is now the oregon state zoo oh god it was called the washington park zoo at the time and investigators had found no fa- no signs of foul play and they had ruled his death an accidental drowning Michelle Gates was taken into juvenile custody and housed at the juvenile detention center. She was charged with the juvenile equivalent of murder on January 7, 1980. She was charged with this because Oregon's Measure 11, also known as One Strike You're Out, which established mandatory minimum sentencing for several different crimes, wasn't passed until 1994. Wow. She was also too young to be tried as an adult. I know, I thought that that was kind of crazy. It was like 1994. That's a long time. Yeah, that really is. Even for something that's like so... Uh, well, I mean, I don't, there's not exactly a, like a, a huge plethora of killer kids. Although, yeah, nowadays... But, uh, you know. Uh, but, wow. that Yeah, that 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 took a while. That took, that took a, a... Wow. She spent nine months in the juvenile detention center as her case made its way through the court as it hit speed bump after speed bump. The first blow to prosecutors came on February 12, 1980, 
when Multnomah County Circuit Judge Mercedes Diaz ruled that Michelle Gates' confessions were inadmissible as evidence because the police officers had neglected to inform her of her right to remain silent and her right to have an attorney present. Which is just like, it's so infuriating because it's like, you gotta read those Miranda rights. Like, I, 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 I just, I just, I, I just, what? That's so simple. That's like one of the most basic things of like policing. I know, especially because she like outright confessed to it. And then they weren't even able to use it because like I was going to make something like that. Like I was going to make a joke about like, oh, man, they, they didn't read her, her random rights. But then I'm, I'm honestly just more like irritated at the fact that they. In the That's 21 just... Jump Street remake with oh, Channing God. Tatum and Jonah Hill, that is literally why they get put into the Jump Street program. See, I've not seen that movie. Because they make that arrest and they don't read them their Miranda rights. Oh, wait, the first one? Yes. Oh, okay. I've only seen that once. I lied. I watched it with you. But you know, that's Cop 101. It is Cop If we're 101. learning that in the first 10 minutes of 21 Jump Street. Judge Diaz also closed the court case to the media and public, which caused the newspaper, The Oregonian, to push back. And long story short, the Oregon Supreme Court ruled that the closer, closure of the case had violated the Oregon Constitution. This was a very important and historic ruling as all juvenile court cases in Oregon are open now. Which I didn't know. Fun fact. Wow. That's, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. In September of 1980, the prosecutors were ready to try again. This time, they were intending to try Michelle Gates by using the statements she had made to other girls while in custody. However, Circuit Judge George Van Humusen ruled that the state had violated a rule requiring juvenile trials to begin within 30 days and the charges were dismissed. Judge Van Humisen ordered that Michelle Gates was to be held by a petition filed by the juvenile court director that would make her a ward of the courts, and her father, James C. Gates, signed on to this. She was made a ward of the courts because she was deemed a danger to herself and to others. Michelle was placed into custody of the State Child Welfare Department, which was called the Children's Services Division. The state then arranged for Michelle to be sent to a school in Maine for disturbed children. While Michelle spent two years at the school in Maine, back in Oregon, the state's prosecutors had appealed to the Oregon Court of Appeals and had the charges against Michelle reinstated. Her defense team filed a motion that Michelle Gates was not fit to be tried because she wasn't able to help assist in building her defense. A psychiatrist from the school in Maine testified that Michelle Gates had been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder with schizoid and passive-dependent tendencies. The psychologist claimed that she was unable to control certain emotions and that she couldn't control certain impulses. The clock to Michelle Gates' 18th birthday was counting down, and it was still unknown if the case was going to be able to go to trial. Judge Riggs ordered Michelle to the Oregon State Hospital so she could be tested to see if she was mentally able to stand going to trial. On October 10th, 1984, so we're like four years into this now. Holy crap. Yeah. Judge Riggs ruled that Michelle was mentally capable enough to go to trial. But I mean, if you think about it, I don't know. I've been kind of lightly following. I mean, I think it, I believe it's over now or maybe not totally. But yeah, I've been kind of lightly following the Parkland stuff and Nicholas Cruz. And yeah, that's been a handful of years since that's happened too. It's just, the, the way just how slow all of this stuff just goes. It's 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 it's, it's ridiculous. I get the processing in some of it and I get like, you know, psyche vow and all that. But it's, it's just what in the world? Michelle had returned from the school in Maine to Portland 
and the police were horrified to discover that she had volunteered to teach swimming lessons at a local YMCA. That's not scary. The nerve of this woman. You know what I mean? You've drowned two children, and you're like, I can go to the YMCA and be a swim instructor, and that'll be fine. They'll just let me do that. That's just, that's so despicable. It's like this terrifying level snake. of, like, no self-awareness. You know what I mean? It's it's the narcissism, I think, that just freaks me the fuck out that she just thinks that she, after killing two kids, should still be allowed to do that. That's just so insane. It, it, yeah, it was just, it fries my brain because I just, what? Like, did, did, did anybody do any amount of, like, thinking or any sort of, like, you Well, know? luckily, as soon as the YMCA was notified of Michelle's past, she was booted from her volunteer position. Good. But that is terrifying that she made it that far into it. You know what I no, mean? No, I totally agree. That's, that's fucking insane. <laughs> uh, even though she was fired, Michelle still found ways to swim and to be around others in large bodies of water, most notably by joining the synchronized swim team at the Caitlin Gable School she was now attending. Oh, god yeah right could you imagine being her freaking swim teammate holy shit dude i would be like i'd never turning my especially synchronized swimming where you're all like underwater with each other all the time mm -hmm. i'd be like this bitch is gonna grab my fucking legs or do some fucking shady shit if she even got near me i'd just start kicking like she probably got like pantyhose or something like tucked away somewhere pulls them out starts tying them together you might as well just put a fucking shark into the pool at that point no absolutely her defense tried to argue that Michelle's unstable upbringing, including the murder of her mother, had set Michelle up for failure from the start, saying that after she had been taught by her mother that nothing mattered except self-gratification and by her grandfather that the way to improve your condition is to kill somebody, when the next generation of little ones came along and started to attract the grandparents' attention, it was obviously the logical thing to do. Michelle Gates was finally convicted for Ruth O'Neill's death at age 18. God. Judge Christina Lamar ruled for her to be within the jurisdiction of the juvenile court, the juvenile equivalent of a conviction, until she turned 21. Her defense attorneys told jo Judge Lamar that, that Michelle had agreed that she would need mental health care throughout the rest of her lifetime. That's a good, yeah, that's a good call. I would I also agree, agree with, that, with one. that, yeah. We're all in agreement here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lifelong therapy. At the time that Michelle Gates was charged with Ruth O'Neill's death, there was a law in Oregon that allowed juveniles convicted There was a law in Oregon that allowed juveniles convicted of a crime to attend either the Hillcrest School for girls or the McLaren School for boys up until the age of 18. In 1983, it had been ruled that this age range would increase a year up until 19 years of age. Her defense attorney had argued for her to be sent to Hillcrest School instead of prison, and Judge Lamar ruled in favor of the defense. At almost 19, Gates entered a monitored living situation, and by 21, no longer had any court supervision. No charges were ever filed against Michelle Gates in the death of her three-year-old cousin who drowned in the zoo's duck pond. But that's not where our story here today ends. We're actually just getting to the middle of it. In April of 1991, Gates had made a successful attempt at having her court records expunged. Her being successful in this actually prompted the Oregon legislature to add homicide and sex offenses to the list of things that cannot be expunged from a juvenile record later that year. That's good. Yeah, they were like, we really uh, dropped the ball on this one. Yeah, no. Let's I... make sure it doesn't happen again. And I appreciate that. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, me too. I agree with that. Just three years out of custody, and on paper at least, Gates had a fresh start. And what did she do with this fresh start? Absolutely nothing good at all. Oh, well, I was going to I was gonna take a guess, but okay. Do you, well, do you have any guesses still? Haberdashery. I, I don't even think I know the definition of haberdashery. Oh, you know, she she was like 
making belts and selling wallets and, and, and stuff like, you know, hats and, you know, like just, just fine leather goods. Yeah. She like, didn't do like that. men's accessories. Is it like zippers and, you know, no, she, she didn't, there was no haberdashery. No. In fact, just one year later, Michelle Gates now going by the name Michelle Shorthouse was being charged in Seattle for eight counts against her, including murder for hire and arson. <laughs> Literally one year. Like That's she successfully crazy. managed to get <laughs> to basically get away with on paper two child murders. She wasn't even charged for the one. She was barely lightly slapped on the wrist for the other. She gets out. She's magically shrugs off that situation. Gets out one year later. <laughs> back at it again. I just what? I wish I had a button that would just cue in fucking back in the saddle again. The audacity. Like just just Steven Tyler just if there's one thing Michelle Gates has, it's the nerve. <laughs> <laughs> you Girl, see, that was a choice. You see, after getting away with the murders of two young children with basically just a slap on the wrist, Michelle decided to fuck up again. This time <laughs> by hiring an ex-boyfriend, Anthony Johnson, to kill her new fiance's ex-wife, a woman named Lisa Mackey. Michelle was living with Joe Shorthouse, her new fiancé, when she was arrested on February 20th, 1992. See, now, you know what I'm kind of envisioning right now? Like, just a, a, a flubby murder. And that's why they got caught. Like, kind of like, you remember that scene in, um, oh man, what is it? Margot Robbie was in it, the, uh, that ice skating movie. Dang oh, uh, I, Tanya. I Yeah, I, Tanya. Good Lord, that was going to drive me nuts. Yeah, that scene in Itania where they actually go to like do the pipe thing, and it, it just shows how like nervous. And oh yeah, the guy's like yeah. shaking, and then like he does it, and then like he goes out to the hallway, and all the doors are like locked, and, and there's a bunch of people the there. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I imagine this happened. Now you know what? This actually, this entire Hitman plot does have the same energy of that <laughs> because it wasn't. I mean, clearly it wasn't successfully pulled off because no, you know, we're talking <laughs> about it here today. But yeah, um, it does have that big energy of just a bunch of. <laughs> losers who uh think that they're way smarter than they uh really are oh so it's almost like a lords of chaos situation no i'm just kidding i'm not gonna tie that into this <laughs> investigators became aware of this murder for hire scheme after anthony johnson called the bellingham herald newspaper he told the newspaper that he had been hired by someone from portland to murder someone <laughs> and that the person who hired him had a name that would be recognized in portland <laughs> The paper notified the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office of this phone call, and they were able to track Anthony Johnson down as the man responsible for the call after he made a second call that was able to be traced. So this man literally told a paper, I was hired by someone from Portland to murder someone, and, and that person, their name would be recognized in Portland. Um, that, that's all the information I can give to you right now. But yeah, so somebody from Portland hired me to kill somebody. And and I can't I can't say no names because it, it would be it would be very recognized. It was Mike. Mike, Mike like, I'm sorry. They're like, sir, we know who you're talking about. <laughs> Anthony Johnson agreed to cooperate with the investigation, and the FBI recorded several phone calls that he and Michelle had together. During these phone calls, they discussed the murder for hire scheme and planned the details of what was supposed to go down. Michelle told Johnson that if Lisa Mackey's husband was present, he should murder him too. They discussed where Johnson should shoot Mackie, and after Johnson had told her that he heard people surviving a single gunshot wound to the head, she ordered him to shoot Mackie twice. I mean, 
not that I'm condoning this murder for hire plot, but good idea. Well, we all learned double tap from Zombieland. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But in this context, it really just shows how heartless she was. And she's like, I want them like gone, gone. gone. gone like yeah. she very clearly wants these people mur- murdered. Out of the picture, yeah. just which is six feet under yeah. great for the investigation because <laughs> the more you're adamant the more stupid things you say on that recording the better for them johnson and michelle also arranged an in-person meeting at the mark 209 Ho- motel in vancouver at this meeting michelle told him that she wanted mackie quote dead and gone hey almost like we were talking about that just a few seconds ago cue the justin timberlake song <laughs> They planned a date for the deed to be done, February 21st or 22nd. They had decided on this date because Michelle was scheduled to attend a job interview in Texas during that time, so when investigators checked out her alibi, it would appear like she had nothing to do with it and was states away. When the Hitman plot was foiled, Johnson did still follow through on the arson part of the plan, though, <laughs> which is like, what'd you, what? When you called them, you did Fire! The... <laughs> Fire! Yes, he, Fire! he had... He really got his Beavis and Butthead on. <laughs> Johnson had set fire at the Mackey residence, which tragically destroyed their home. But Lisa Mackey and her new husband had been away on their honeymoon during the time that the fire was set. And I say, good for her. She was like, I got a new husband. I'm on vacation. Like, that sucks about their house. I really feel bad for them. But I'm glad that these losers couldn't murder this woman who doesn't seem like she did anything. And meanwhile, I feel like Johnson, well, yeah, well, he still did follow through with the arson plan. He, at the end of the day, is still just kind of like, what does it matter? They still got, like, they, they still had a good day. That was the coolest part of this whole thing anyways. God. Which, honestly, I'm I'm almost in his boat where it's just kind of like, fire. But, uh... <laughs> no that's awful that's terrible but i do i do kind of feel like that's what he was just thinking he was like well this is the coolest part of this mission anyways i'm still gonna follow through with the fire for hell i don't know i still have so many questions about that because it's like why did he call the newspaper it's like did he just get cold feet about the murder or he was it like a is count it, grishnok or was it like a or was it like a, i'm trying to like not let Michelle know that I'm communicating with the cops type thing you know what I mean like so he Ooh. wouldn't be like on like she wouldn't get like on to him as like an informant Ooh. I don't know like it's weird I like that angle that could be that could be a thing too yeah I don't know that's just something know. that I thought of when I was going back over that in court it was determined that the motive for the arson and murder plan was that Michelle wanted revenge as well as being fueled by an attempt to get Joe Shorthouse custody of his five-year-old son. I'm going to guess that arson, on your record, doesn't really help that. She had been planning on adopting this son after her and Shorthouse married. Michelle also claimed that Mackie had told others about her past, including the murders, which caused her to lose jobs. Where it's like, oh oh no did the did the child murderer get exposed as being a child murderer and she lost her job at lowe's oh let me play the world's smallest fucking (laughs) violin i just i do not care i do not give a shit so you went lowe's whereas i was just kind of like oh you lost your job at kinder care the daycare yeah yeah that seems like something that fucking (laughs) michelle gates would try to insert herself into also the fact that this man quote unquote was gonna let this chick adopt the son? She's murdered two children. What the fuck are you doing, boy? He's not a smart man, but he knows what love is. I... 
All right. After <laughs> after pleading guilty to arson and soliciting murder, Michelle Gates was sentenced to 15 years in prison, admitting that she had paid money to have Johnson murder Mackie and her new husband, as well as setting fire to their house. In 1997, she filed a motion trying to nullify her conviction. Her attorneys claimed that her lawyers at the time had not effectively represented her and argued that her pre-sentencing report contained several inaccuracies. This motion was unsuccessful and did not result in any changes to her sentencing. Yeah, I was about to say, you can't pull a Bundy. We're not done. Oh, 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 no. What else is, what else you got down the pipeline? Michelle Gates was released from prison in 2005 and her parole ended in 2008. She remarried and now goes by the name Michelle Leland. Um, She has a new husband and her and him had two daughters and lived together in Glendora, California. Until, yeah, our story does not end here because tragedy had to strike this family once again now hold on one sec let's let's pump the brakes let's i'm I'm, I'm gonna just put we already know of like the weird history and like a lot all the death that this woman has just uh, has under her belt and the capabilities that she has she only got three years parole yeah just three because they didn't they had to not count the child murders in Oregon that's because she got them expunged oh for her God. record. I mean, yeah, juvenile. that's a good point. I so they were just counting that. the arson and the murder for hire. That is a good point. I, I, I almost forgot about that. And oh, I man. just can't believe that the amount of men that just keep popping up into this woman's lives Seriously. and being like, I'll make a child with you. Excuse me, fucking what? I'm trying to cuss less, but... <laughs> I really am in this episode, but I'm sorry, but it just, it doesn't make sense to me. It's so the amount of, It's, like, it's terrifying. Did you willingly create a child with someone who's murdered children before? Are you fucking kidding me? It's bananas. In 2019, Michelle and her new husband, Mark Leland, were visiting some friends at their home in Colville, Washington over the holidays. During this visit, Michelle's father shot her husband and killed him. What in the hell? Yeah, we're at event number four that involves murder or attempted murder (laughs) in this woman's life. Yeah. This is ridiculous. It really is. What in the the hell? The shooting was called into the police by the home's owner, Susan Alexander. Two sheriff's deputies arrived at the property right before 10 p.m. December 28th. The deputies arrived to find Susan Alexander, Michelle's dad, James Gates, and Michelle, all standing near the door of the garage. When they were asked who shot Mark Leland, Susan Alexander pointed at James Gates immediately. She also handed over the pistol that had been used in the shooting. One of the officers reported that Gates declined to answer any questions without a lawyer present, but when they had him in handcuffs, he told them it was self-defense. Mark Leland hadn't immediately died from his injuries, and he was laid on the floor of the garage calling for medical help. He had two gunshot wounds to his abdomen. He told the deputy that he hadn't given Gates any reason to shoot him. Police records from that night state that Mark said he entered the garage and saw James on the floor, and Mark asked him what happened, and James told him, you pushed me, then James shot him. Mark said he did not push James. Mark said he was in too much pain to talk anymore. He just wanted medical attention. That is so sad. An ambulance arrived shortly after and took Mark Leland to Providence Mount Carmel Hospital in Colville, where he sadly passed away a few hours later. Damn, that fucking blows. Susan Alexander and Michelle both claimed that they had been inside the house at the time of the shooting and had not witnessed it. 
The two women said that the men had a history of not getting along, but they had not been fighting that day. After talking to both the women, an officer wrote that, quote, neither of them appeared to be emotional from the incident. Michelle was described as officers as very calm and collected and stoic and non-remorseful. In fact, when the officers informed James, Ga James Gates that he was being arrested and taken to jail, he asked, how far is it? I need to pee. <laughs> Uh, honestly, kind of baller. It's like I either <laughs> pee in a toilet or I pee in your squad car, dude. Like it's your choice. Yeah, but just it's so it's kind of <laughs> weird that the officers show up and they're like, no one is freaked out. No one's like, oh my god, I just had to shoot someone in self defense. Everyone's acting like they uh, squashed a spider on the ground. You know what I mean? It's super weird. They're reacting to the super abnormal event like it's That's... totally normal. It gives me the creeps. That is creepy. It's uh, just, just weird. Uh... James Gates was sentenced to 88 months in prison, which could easily be a life sentence at his age. James Gates was also sentenced to three years of probation when he is released. Well, when slash if he is released from prison. And as far as Michelle, she's just out and about. What in the hell? Yeah, I don't like that. What in Jolly Green Giant's Earth? I'm not really a innocent child, so I'm not really worried about her coming to find me because I don't really seem like her type. But, um, yeah, I don't like this bitch. <laughs> 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 if it wasn't obvious by the past 25 minutes. Yeah, I'm not a fan not of myself a fan. either, man. Not a fan. Yeah, no, Dude, not a fan. Um, wouldn't recommend. Would not yeah. yeah, don't meet her. Yeah, no, pr pr probably don't. Steer, steer clear. That one was a wild ride, though, wasn't it? That was one that I had heard. I'd like heard the name and the bare minimum details and was like, wow, that's awful. And then one day I was on Reddit and I'd read a little bit more about it. And I was like, this is a roller coaster. Dude. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it other than just a roller coaster of just murder. A, a tragic life. Because if you think about it, she really did no, just have a fucked up childhood. And, you know, like she has also done really, really inexcusable things, but, you know, it sucks for any kid to have to go through, like, messed up stuff like that. It does not excuse, you know, becoming an awful person at all, because a lot of people have messed up childhoods and never heard a fly, but, you know. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, The Good Son? The Good Dinosaur? That one, too. Yeah. No, I haven't seen either, actually. <laughs> No, The Good Son, that's got uh, Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood in it, but they're, like, both children. I think this is, like, either in between the Home Alone movies or, like, just after the, the second Home Alone movie. But I think you would like it because the beginning part of this kind of gives me... It, it does deal with child murder, where, like, Macaulay Culkin is this kid, like, yeah, just killing other kids and shit. And, yeah, it's almost, it's almost like Orphan before Orphan. But it, it gives me more this vibes. Yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time watching or even like covering anything with child murder. Yeah, but I mean, like it's it's Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. So I mean, like, and it's not based on a true story either. Like it's 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 so so like when you're watching it, you're just kind of like ah. I don't know. Maybe we'll give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I was trying to follow up something with ah, but I couldn't come up with anything fast enough. <laughs> What it makes me think of is it makes me think of that episode of CSI. I think it was CSI. Maybe it was Criminal Lines, where that one kid kills the other kid with, like, the train set. 
Oh, I don't think I've seen this, but I'm interested now. I kind of want to see this. Yeah, now. it's it's one of those ones that like involves child murder, and it's one of those episodes Oof. that just stayed with me for forever. But I can't remember what show it was, so it didn't stay with me that much. Just enough to like the plot line. So, you know, one more off-topic thing. Whenever like those crime shows are brought up, I always remember like one specific episode of Cold Case, where it was like I guess like this kid in an orphanage, and then like some nun like ended up killing the kid because he was just the like a little menace or whatever the hell but like yeah she like put him in a box or whatever the hell and he was just like buried in the woods and shit it was yeah fun episode that's awful we should do a rewatch this is kind of like a little mini sideshow episode that we're getting into now but you know what this is fun let's just keep it going uh we should really do like a rewatch of the most like traumatizing criminal minds episodes to me i'm down that one with evan peters in it that one with tim curry those two with tim curry excuse me we've got to throw csi into the mix too because that one where they find the people in the trunk of the car i was gonna say that one people soup oh yeah and what is it uh 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 squeegee squeegee screech boochies squeegees squeegees there's a squeaky squeakies there's people people who know what i'm talking about know what i'm talking about there's an episode of csi called squeegee squeepies and it's about that guy he wears like that um it's like a uh i know what it's called a tight shiny tight shiny latex latex suit like a bdsm like latex suit and he there's a scene where he like he like contortionist folds himself up and there's like a scene where he like folds himself up in someone's like tr- like back compartment of their car and he like oh. crawls forward in the front and like murders them i think i've seen that and there's one. another ho- like one where he's like going like doing like a handstand thing like backwards down a hallway oh Ooh. damn that i don't like that it was like um nope oh god what did they call what did they call tate in the first season of american horror story when he's wearing the be- Le- killy man leather man vinyl man rubber man rubber man there we go oh, rubber man yeah, oh, oh rubber man it was like pre-rubber man rubber man oh my god anyways and on that note thank you for listening to another episode of olympia oddities if you want to support the podcast you can leave us a five-star review recommend us to a friend or follow us on social media we're on Facebook and Instagram at Olympia Oddities Podcast. And to be truthful, I'm way more active on the Instagram than I am the Facebook. So am I anymore. Yeah. You know, just it's too many reasons format. to list. Yeah. Yeah. And we're also on TikTok at Olympia Oddities. We also have a buy me a coffee setup where you can leave a one-time cash donation for us if you want to send us a tip. We're currently fundraising to make our Pacific Northwest True Crime Fest experience the best it can possibly be for everyone. If you want to submit a personal spooky story or a topic for us to cover, you can DM us on our social media pages or email us at olympiaoddities at gmail.com. I'm Trista, and you can follow my personal Instagram at saloonghost. I'm Steven. You can follow me at the Steven Ramirez. And until next time, friends.